Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 22. We have our very first four-person pod today in a new recording studio. We have Bonnie, formerly of Wild Western Australia. And Still of Wild Western Australia for now, but it's going to be decommissioned soon. And what's the name of the new website that's coming? Friendly Drop Bear. Friendly Drop Bear. It's <laughs> an awesome name. <laughs> And we also have Ben from Going Solo, who has recently completed his sectional entry into the Billwoman. I have. It was amazing. Excellent. So the topic of this pod is we're going to talk about hike your own hike, which is a bit of a loaded subject, which is why we've got quite a few opinions in here. Donovan, what would your kind of take on hike your own hike be? I, th- I guess hike your own hike is sort of like the prototype for you do you, you know, it's a bit of a warm and fuzzy thing that people say when you're out hiking, but I think there's a bit more to it. I think, you know, it's just something that people say, and it's a thing that people say with such frequency without really unpacking that, because I think there's a lot more to it. There's sometimes a, a bit of politics to it because people say it, but then don't mean it. But then also when you do mean it, I think that the things that are really interesting are the the whys and the hows. So, you know, wh- how do you hike your own hike and why do you hike your own hike? I think are really important questions that hopefully we'll unpack a bit in this uh, this four-person discussion. Yeah. So, I mean, we've already talked at length about, like, what motivates us to go hiking and our experiences. But in terms of Bonnie and Ben, what's kind of, like, how you got into hiking um, and what's your kind of, like, backstory? Well, uh, I, I had a friend of mine who attempted the Pacific Crest Trail and he posted about it on Facebook and I you know, saw his photos from like day one and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I started looking it up on Wikipedia and Googling it and then I went on this amazing holiday in America which left me bankrupt um, and came home and I was, think- I was kind of bummed out that I couldn't go on another really long holiday because I had no money. So I started thinking like, oh, how do I go on a really long holiday that cost almost nothing? And then I remembered about my friend who had posted about hiking the Pacific Crest Trail. <laughs> so I got into hiking because I thought that's a great way to spend six months on holiday and, and spend very little money. But that was before I realized how expensive all the gear could be. So I've yeah. actually, ironically, I've ended up spending way more money than I ever would on any yeah. other holiday. But uh, I guess that's the way it goes. But I've just fell in love with it and have been doing it ever since. And as for me, I've always really loved nature and exploring. And I think that's where my enjoyment of hiking comes from is just wanting to explore places. And I've always loved looking at maps and wondering what that map would look like in in reality or looking across like a lake or something and wondering what's on the other side. So I think that's where my love of hiking begins. And yeah, so I always used to do a lot of hiking growing up with my family, but mostly day hike. And I I got into overnight hiking when I was 19 and travelling in New Zealand by myself. And I thought, oh, I want to go up in the mountains and so I just set off and oh, I had no money. So I set off in my Kmart fake Converse shoes. <laughs> and I thought you're supposed to wear all your thermals underneath your clothes when you go up in the mountains. But then I was I had to strip all my thermals off halfway up the mountain, the first mountain. Yeah, that was an adventure. Oh, I also carried a capsicum and a bag of oats in a black rubbish bag for my food. <laughs> <laughs> and no stove. But somehow I survived and I absolutely loved it. And I like I, I arrived back at the hostel and my shoes just fell apart. And then I went out and bought proper hiking shoes and never looked back. Can I ask what was the plan for the capsicum? Eat like, it. Was it sliced or, or were you gonna Oh no, I eat raw capsicums. I do that 
normally like at work as a snack. Like an apple? Yes. Like seeds okay. and everything? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not an animal. <laughs> no, I don't eat the seeds. But you can hold the capsicum by the stalk and eat it like an apple. Okay. You learn something every day. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but I guess that kind of comes down to like hike your own hike because we all have those stories about how we started and the gear we used. And Donovan's got his famous one of carrying like 30 odd kilos in an eight man tent. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like the first bits of gear we use um, are kind of crucial in learning about hiking and what kind of motivates you to go hiking and if this is really for you. Mm. That's for sure. Even even now, as a relatively experienced hiker, I'm still learning from mistakes in what I pack. Like I, I started the Overland track with 27 kilos. Oh wow! By accident, <laughs> because I was um I was packing the like the day that I left. I got home from work and I still hadn't finished packing, and I was throwing everything into different bags. I had my plane bag, my hiking bag. And then I got there and I realised oh, I kind of have to carry everything. I also had a friend who was injured, who was going to be hiking the overland with us and he left us with all his food he'd just been on like in the walls of jerusalem and couldn't keep going and i had to carry stuff for the frenchman's cap track which i did straight after so that was interesting but luckily when i did that i was reasonably fit so it didn't bother me too much that's a good point though because like it's a relatively accessible hobby to have yeah. And as you mentioned before, like you can go down that rabbit hole where you spend a lot of money. As I have. Yeah. As I have too. As I have but too. But I, I, ori- I originally wanted to be cheap with it. When I got really into overnight hiking, I didn't have a lot of money at that time. I just moved home from Sydney and moved home to, P- to Perth and was looking for a job here and everything. So I couldn't afford to mm. go and spend thousands and thousands of dollars. So I started mm. off with a whole bunch of cheap gear in Perth. Mm. Left that, a bunch of stuff in Sydney, unfortunately. That's another thing that people say about hiking is, I know, a certain hiking identity down south says it a lot, which is it's just walking, which is, I think, what attracts a lot of people to it is because yeah. it sounds so simple. But once you get into the logistics of overnight hiking, you realise how much is involved. It's actually quite a complicated hobby. It is. Probably more, I would say, than, you know, perceived expensive hobbies like golf or you know, other things of that nature. Yeah, and you wouldn't think of hiking as something that you just use a spreadsheet for. Oh, yeah. I make yeah. so many spreadsheets, but that's <laughs> yeah. another reason why I love She's hiking. She's a spreadsheet queen. Yes, yeah. I love spreadsheets. Yeah. yeah, like mapping every gram that you have yeah. and every item that you want to pack and where's it going to go and, yeah. It's you like should a see my Big Woman Trap yeah. sectional end-to-end spreadsheet. It's very detailed. Yeah. I get that all the time with my family when they, they'll try and voice something upon me, you know, like, oh, look, I found this thing in a garage sale. You should carry this. And I look at it, I'm like, oh, it's a bit heavy. And they're like, oh, it only <laughs> yeah. weighs like 27 grams or something. I weighed it. And I'm like, well, you don't realise that's actually loads. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I know like the first hike I did, you know, the amount of crappy gear that I had, you know, I had a 90 litre backpack and I thought, how could anyone pack less than this? You need all this stuff. And (laughs) I had like my stove was one of those like camping stoves that's like a square box. Mm -hmm. And the tents we were using were, you know, camping tents, which weigh, you know, like you you think four kilos isn't that much, but it's a lot. (laughs) And um, yeah, I just I think it's it's great. I think that's a learning experience that, you know, from a hike your own hike perspective as well. I, I think that when I started, you, you, what do you say about it being a cheap thing was certainly something that I saw as, as a real plus about it. Uh, my first hike was the Bibbulmun Track and having free huts, 
you know, that was a big plus. That's still a plus now. It's still a big plus, yeah. Uh, I had arguments with friends who wanted to stay in a hotel halfway along the track. It's like, no, you know, we must do this. You know, we must do it correctly. (laughs) You don't get it. (laughs) And I've changed a lot in the intervening years, but... Back then, I was certainly a monk when it came to like you know <laughs> the, the 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 torture of the hike was part of the the appeal. You know? But you uh, weren't sleeping in Mount Cook Cave. No, I didn't do that section. The first bit I did oh, was okay. was Walpole to Denmark, and then the second bit I did was from I recently remembered Albany Highway to Kalamunda. Yep. For years, I've been telling people it was Brookton Highway to Kalamunda, and then I recently found photographic evidence that proved that I was really wrong. And, yeah, the the gear that we had was, you know, just rubbish back then. Mm. But that was part of the enjoyment of it for me. Was exactly. The, the yeah. torture. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, did you enjoy that hike any less for having all the crappy gear than you enjoy hiking now? Hmm, that's a very good question. Because I guess one of the things that I would say from a hike-your-own-hike perspective is that how I hike my own hike and why I hike my own hike is completely different to when I was 18. I think that what I I look for is very different. And yet, I put it this way, I probably, it was one of those things where, you know, when you do a walk and you hate it when you're there, but then you get off the track and you go, when can I do this again? Yeah. That was probably how I was a lot more back then. Whereas now on the track, I'm having fun as it's happening. Yeah. So the the sort of like self-flagellation aspect of it has disappeared. And I thought that that was key to it. Like a part of my argument with my friend was, I love having blisters. I love this like uncomfortable <laughs> wooden building that we're staying in. And I go, now, no, no, you don't need to have any of those things. You can have comfort and that at the same time. But that was key to my psyche at the time of why you should go out and hike, which mm. I guess is, you know, probably going to Catholic school when I was in secondary <laughs> school. <laughs> Well, that, that leads that, to another interesting idea, and that's, I don't know about you guys, but i found the more hiking I do, the more comfortable I am with less, and also the more comfortable I am with a, a little bit of um, earthiness, I suppose you'd call it. Mm. The thing I do is, you know, as I get more comfortable and, and get better and fitter and have better gear and lighter gear is I just go further. So I'm still experiencing the same level of discomfort, but I'm doing like more Ks each day. <laughs> so that that's the trade-off. And like I, I initially bought all my gear with the the goal of doing the Pacific Crest Trail. Um, and I the Bibbleman for me was just a just a training hike before I realized what an amazing thing it is in its own right. Um, but I, I bought all this stuff, which was pretty good, but I've since replaced almost all of it. Um, but you know, my first hikes were, were relatively short, I guess, compared to what I do now. And I was suffering at the end of them. Whereas now I do a much longer distance and I'm still suffering at the end of it, but mm. I push myself until I get to that point. Cause I, I do like, I kind of agree with you. Well, you know, with past you that that is a big part of it. And when you get to the camp at the end of the day and maybe not blisters, but when your feet are aching and your muscles are a bit sore and you get to lie down in your tent and just read a book and have a hot chocolate it's like that's the best bit about hiking for me mark yeah no <laughs> i would agree with that um uh, the question i had for you was yeah. you know from and i guess this is the the key thing that i'm i'm, I'm really trying to nut out is mm. the you know the hows and the whys how you know when, when you started hiking why did you go and hike and now has that changed at all oh yeah um 
Yeah, hiking for me when I first started was mainly about fitness and it was that like pushing yourself to the edge, getting those blisters, having the sore feet and the sore body. Whereas now it's, I don't know, it's more of a spiritual thing now. Um, not to sound all hippie-ish, um, I do live in Fremantle. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it is about escaping life. Well, not necessarily life, but just kind of the day-to-day grind. And you're out there, you've got nothing but your backpack, your tent, your sleeping bag, your food, and you get to camp and you unwind. You read a book, you lay there, you enjoy the birds or the trees or whatever. Mm. And it's about yeah, freeing yourself from the modern world. And even on a day hike, that's what I'm looking for. It's that connection with nature, as you mentioned before, Bonnie, like you're trying to be at one with yourself and with nature. Um, and I think, yeah, I've changed a lot over the last few years because um, it just used to be about the distance and the speed and I was always trying to get like from point A to point B as quickly as I could, whereas now it's with the most enjoyment. Mm. I don't care if I rock up at four or two or whenever. That's what I'm looking for in a hike. But that that sort of minimalism you're talking about that you've embodied, I think, is kind of what we're dancing around, which is ultralight hiking, which is extremely connected to hike your own hike because people who hike like that have a bit of a reputation for. And it's a very loaded topic. It's as a well. very loaded topic, <laughs> and and you know people who choose to you know to load out their backpacks with ultralight stuff and be really minimalist tend to give unsolicited unsolicited advice to to other people, which is where the whole expression I think might have come from. Um, but at the same time, like I I have really enjoyed it. Maybe you know I I try not to force myself on other people like um like a lot of people do, but um, just learning to live with less learning what you really need and what you don't and and just living the most simple possible lifestyle you can out on the track i find really satisfying um and it's it's really become reflected in my everyday life like i live in a small apartment which i moved into after i got into hiking and i found it surprisingly easy to adapt to that like i just i don't buy gadgets and and stuff anymore that i really don't need i don't buy anything that doesn't have at least a couple of purposes and it's just, it's made my life a whole lot more simple and I've really enjoyed that experience. And I don't think I would have really learned about, you know, how I, you know, how consumerist I can be if I, if I hadn't got into hiking and, and realised how you can do things, you know, much more simply. Well, that's really interesting mentioning consumerism. That's what I find yeah. really funny about the whole ultralight things on the That's one the hand no it's, it's such a paradox it's all about minimalism and I know exactly what you mean with learning to live with less and enjoying living with less I've had the same the same thing has happened to me as well mm. but on the other hand the whole ultralight thing it's all about um the best gear and always chasing the the latest and greatest newest stuff and the most expensive stuff and it's also a bit of a, a for some many people it's a status symbol as well so on the one hand it's all about um almost a spiritual minimalist thing on one extreme and then on the other extreme it's total consumerism mm. Mm. i don't mind i don't mind being consumerist if it's practical i think that's the biggest <laughs> difference for me it's yeah. like i've i've you know obviously i a lot of my stuff in my package well, really well if, if you enjoy being cons- a consumer then yeah but buying useless crap i don't enjoy anymore which yeah. I think is the mm. real positive development in my life like i just don't you know i've got a thing in my kitchen which is a thing that peels slices uh, and cause apples all at once. And it's amazing when I'm making apple crumble, which is like once every two years. But, like, if you think about it, a knife can do all those things. Yes. And that's thing, it's taking up space in my cupboard. 
I had to pay twenty dollars to buy it, and I never would have bought it now, in mm. hindsight. But you know, that, that's just an example of of one of the one of the ways that my perspective has changed based on hiking. I don't buy, you know, single use things like that. Yeah. Mm. And how about yourself, Bonnie? How's from when you started to now? Does what you look for in a hike has that changed a lot? Yes and no. I think I used to do a lot of solo hiking, and I. It was a very different experience to hiking in groups. I mostly do um, hiking in, with groups of people now because I've made a lot of friends through hiking and I've also gotten involved with a, a hiking club as well and I organise events for that. So I often miss the solo hiking, which was all about... Um, I, like I used to walk really slowly and take a billion photos, which I still do, but I've learnt to take photos on the move a bit better now. I've joined um, you in that since I bought a camera. Yes, and now Ben is... is just as bad as me, if not worse. I used to go steaming ahead of you, and now, yeah. <laughs> now I'm lagging behind you. Now I'm the yeah. rear guard. Yeah. There's a certain art to taking photos yeah. while still moving and yes. like trying to capture people yeah. in their natural way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They're or, jogging or, in front of people quite a lot to get yeah. the photo of them coming up that hill. Or, yeah. Yeah. Mm. or to capture them pointing. Yeah. 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 Or yelling at them to get out the way. <laughs> That's a common one. But that was a big, used to be a big thing for me was. Um, taking all the photos and I, I still really enjoy it. People ask me, do you, what do you do with all your photos? And the fact is I, I classify them and I do go back and look at them and I remember where I was and I remember each individual tree and the flowers that I saw and all that. And that's one of the reasons I started a website originally is I had, I just take so many photos. I need something to do with them. Yeah. We've, we've talked about this before. Like it's a good record to have of your own life. Yes, and if other people exactly. are interested, then great. Um, yep. So yeah, we encourage everyone to start their own website. <laughs> yeah. I got, I got so much use out of PCT blogs when I was getting into hiking because my whole aim was doing that. So I was just looking at that. And there's, there's not a lot of Bibbon blogs out there besides, um, you know, the, your two excellent blogs, obviously. Um, but I, it just gave me so much advice about gear and about hiking style and stuff like that. So I'd really love to see more sort of develop in WA. Well, I'm going to start one very shortly. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Um, and just going back to what you said about hiking in groups, cause you guys are both affiliated with young Perth hikers. Um, coming from like hiking solo and then leading groups, do you see people getting into it for different reasons and do you kind of take that into account when you're out there? Yes, very much so. And also a huge range of um, different experience levels and different levels of fitness as well. I think in the groups, most of the people come along initially for the social aspect of it. And we also get a lot of people who are maybe a bit less confident than average with going out and doing a um, what people perceive to be a challenging trail or something like that. Yeah, so you talk about the social aspect of young Perth hikers. Do you see people change as they go to more events? Yes. They kind of like get within the, the group mould and kind of talk to other hikers and probe them and everything because I know the internet these days is quite good. You can talk to a lot of people before you actually go hiking. Do you find that people relate to other hikers and really seek them out the more experienced ones to find out kind of like what it's like and you know going on overnight hikes and what's that like and everything yeah on the day hikes that we do it's mostly just a very casual social type thing um on the overnight hikes you tend to get people who are a bit more serious about it or who 
quite seriously want to get into it or training for something specific as well. But we get a lot of people who are just having a go as well. And, you know, oh, they're, yeah, they're just in Perth for a few weeks because they're, you know, on a, on a secondment or, or whatever. They're usually the day, the day hikers, though. Yeah. 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 Not, not exclusively. No. We've had one. Without mentioning names. We've had a couple I can think of. One or two. Okay. All right, then one. But I find, um, going back to my to myself, um, I, I find that I've changed a lot from the social aspect of the hikes. It used to be a very solitary activity for me, and I liked it that way. I, um, all my old friends aren't really outdoorsy. They're, I've got other things in common with them. Mm. So just out of necessity, I suppose, I used to go on hikes by myself, and it's a completely different mindset. And then when I got into the social aspect of it, now I just have absolutely no shortage of hiking buddies mm. to the point it's it's almost ridiculous. I can't go on a solo hike now because I always think, oh, so-and-so would like this, so I invite them along. Whereas I really like solo hiking, but I just need people to do the car shuffles. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't really name your, your blog going solo. You <laughs> <laughs> just have a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry, but it's just Trans WA is kind of crap sometimes. So. Well, that's oh. true. There's... <laughs> Um, no, but I do, I do like people who, who come along for those adventures yeah. with me. We meet really good people, and I've, I've made yeah. a lot of really, really good friends through it. And there's something about going on an overnight hike with people. I think it accelerates the making a friend process. Mm. Especially yeah. if it's hard. Yeah. If you have some yeah. kind of trying a, like experience a, together, you all get caught in a thunderstorm or you know, yeah. something like that. Or, I don't know. Yeah, it's you good. really get to know people quickly. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it is what would be... 24 to 36 hours of intense like interaction yeah whereas if you just meet someone for drinks or a movie that's like mm. know, an or hour a day or so, yeah yeah or you yeah. could just become not friends with people as a result of hiking yeah. but that's why you've got to be very careful about who you invite on yeah, yeah. Night, which yeah. is why we're quite selective in in young perth hikers before, yeah Oh, you know. we're not really. Any anyone's welcome. No, anyone's welcome. Um, but Make you us need sound certain really gear. Snobby. No, no, we're not snobby. But we 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 have quite detailed event descriptions. We do. We describe and if you, all yep. the things that you need to have to come on an overnight hike, and and you must read the description. Very yeah, you must read you the must descriptions. Read it. We have had people rock up on over. Well, we've had one person I think rock up on an overnight hike, not realizing it was an overnight hike. And, oh um, no, <laughs> it's kind yeah. of awkward. Yeah, we've had um, some interesting interesting yeah. characters. Yeah. Often for like the the longer distance ones, like several days in a row, we'll just organise them privately because that's kind of difficult to organise. Yeah, or even longer longer weekend hikes or anything off track. Or yeah, yeah. But we draw on the group of people that we've met. Yeah. Uh, through overnight hikes through Young Perth hikers, uh, which is what's really great about it um, mm. and about the platform. Mm. Mark, you're you tend to hike by yourself, but then also with Aaron. <laughs> And also with sometimes with you know you've done group hikes and stuff yeah. like that. So where do you where do you sit on that you know like that sort of spectrum in terms of do you get different things out of the different hikes and yeah. So when I used to organise the hikes, it was great to meet people and like the, you're like minded people. You sign up for a hike, you generally know what you're getting into, um, and different meeting different age groups as well. Um, so I know you guys say young Perth hikers, but it's not necessarily young, young. It's not aster- necessarily. There's an asterisk at the end of that. No, anyone is welcome, even older people. It's just like a target demographic. It's not a. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to be young. Yeah, we've had, we've got a friend who goes on quite a lot of young Perth hikers hikes. Is that Louise? Louise. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she won't mind saying so she has teenage kids that she's not quite yeah. young anymore. Yeah. No, Louise, young Louise is fantastic. Like, yeah, and we have, um, you know, Mike from Red Tails yeah, as Mike, well. Yeah, Mike Farquhar. Uh, well. yeah, 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 who comes along as well. And it's great. He's it's also just, great. I think that the 
the reason behind calling it Young Perth Hikers when it was founded was that every other hikers club was really dominated by, uh, you know, people who are retired uh, or, you know, kind of the end of their working life. Nothing um, wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that Just... at all. But, you know, when every hiking club is of the same demographic, it's like, well, why don't we have something that's a bit different, you know, mm-hmm. for, for young people who want, want to go hiking? Mainly, not exclusively. The other reason why we don't have a hard and fast um, age limit is the guy who started the club, who's our good friend, Damien, um, he's in his late 30s now. So, yeah, if we, if we say you have to be under 40, he'll... He'll be booting himself out. We'll have to shift clubs. I thought we were going to boot him out. No, we're going to change the name to the middle-aged Perth Hikers. Are we not just going to boot him out? Can we not do... No? No. Okay. Well, if he starts growing like a really bushy beard and then you use homespun gear that's kind of on the heavy side, then that's probably time to... Starts complaining about people using phones on the track, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, back to your point though, John. Um, I actually enjoy all types of hiking now. I'm actually going on a solo hike for maybe the first time in three or four months next week. So that'd be a, a good fun adventure. Yeah. But you just kind of get used to like different experiences and different people. And mm. like I'm not generally a social person. I wasn't until I started hiking. But, you know, you meet really nice people on the trail. So... I think why not talk to them? <laughs> yeah, I think the ideal, personally, the ideal hiking situation is what I'm hoping to encounter on the PCT, where you're technically solo, but there's a lot of other people doing it, so you can hang out with them if you like. But if you don't like them, you can just go ahead of them and never see them again. Yeah, yeah. And that's the great thing about the multi-day hikes you go on. If you're meeting people at the campsites, they may be going in a different direction, or you may be different yep. speeds. So you don't necessarily have to hike with them, but you can spend mm. a few hours at camp with them and. You know, talk to them, learn from them, you mm. know, just enjoy yep. their company without dragging them along at your yeah. own speed. I feel like there's a missed opportunity, not that I'm going to do this, anyone else can do this, but I feel like there's a missed opportunity to do like a Humans of New York style thing of the bib. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. I think I feel like someone did that. They did like, they posted all the hikers that they met on one of the oh, Facebook the, groups. Oh, and yeah, the, the photos. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But more detailed. I want to know like, what's your most embarrassing moment? Or, you know, right, yeah. something for everyone. There yeah. are certainly some interesting characters on the bib, that's oh, for yes. sure. One of the things I must say is, as I don't like solo hiking, because I, I like hiking with my wife, but, um, and I started out as a group hiker, but I've probably become, I guess I've become probably more, not intolerant, but more... Grumpy. <laughs> set in your ways. More set in my ways, yeah. And so, you know, like I think Alyssa and I have things that we like to do, and I think we can agree more easily on, on what we we're going to set out to do so that's probably changed for me in terms of the group dynamic because I do find it hard sometimes if say people say they want to leave late in the day and I want to leave at sunrise um that's that's something that is difficult to negotiate but that being said that when we did bailing up to Pemberton we basically walked with the same group of people we didn't walk together but we stayed in the huts together and we became really you know good friends in the time that we were there and you know, one of the couples that we met, we actually, you know, went to visit them in, in Canberra when we were there. And it was just really nice having that rapport with people. And you, I think because you, you've gone through this thing together that sort of builds a bond with people. And sometimes people who, are, you know, you would probably maybe never meet or be friends with outside of it, you end up becoming friends with them. And that's really nice. And it's a unique experience that nobody nobody who hasn't experienced it would understand. And that I think that's the underpinning of the, of the bond. Yeah, for sure. 
but it's also um, it's a unique experience just in like the whole thing of meeting people on the hike and getting to know them really quickly, like complete strangers. I had something similar on the Jatbula Trail about a month ago. Um, I did that solo, but the way it's set up, you, you have to camp in certain spots mm. and there were four other people on the trail do, doing the same walk as me, but I was walking by myself. But they were so nice and by the end of it, I was having dinner with them. They were cooking me these amazing desserts and I got to know them really quite well. And like, like they're from Brisbane and Sydney and a lot older than me, so I probably wouldn't have otherwise met them just in my day-to-day life. Mm. They're absolutely fantastic people, and yeah. I can't think of any other yeah. or any other thing that I do where I just I meet people like that and get to know them really well in four or five days. Mm. And that's the thing, like, because I take the bus with the same people to work every day. You never and say I know hi. Them and I don't <laughs> never speak to them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even though we share this like this forty minute or thirty minute uh, bus ride into the city, whereas you're out hiking, it's just this kind of like. It just breaks down all barriers. You just speak yes. to people. You get to know them. There's, mm. You criticise all their gear. Yeah. But I have found recently in the last year or so that I can't go to a campsite with full branding on because people know who I am. And it's a really weird thing when people know who you are before you get to a campsite or as you rock up. I guess it's kind of breaking down the barriers. But, yeah, you get there and everyone's like, oh, you're the life of Pi. And it's just like, oh, that's the regular guy. Be glad you're not pack animal. Yeah. yeah. I would probably fanboy him if I meet him. We met him on Sunday. You should probably edit that out because I think he's a bit shy. Shorter in person than you expect. Yeah, we'll talk yes. about him. Yes. <laughs> Just also, like all your all your heroes, yeah. really. Also, also a smoker. I would not have picked what? it. Oh, really? I did yeah. not know that. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, revealing some secret truths. Yes. <laughs> See, he would be the human to New York hiker I'd really like to read. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's got some stories. I mm. know he yeah. does. His photo, though, would be like his hand in front of the camera blocking the view because he's not interested yeah. at all. Yeah. Steal his yeah. soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, that, that guy must have the best weather follow him everywhere. Oh, because it's every day. <laughs> I love following, like, you read in the green book, it's like pack animal, and then a week later it would be pack animal yes, going yes. the other way. Always a very sunny day. Day at a nice yeah. time. Yeah. yeah. I guess we should probably talk about the internet if we're going to talk about hike your own hike. Because Facebook groups have become a big thing now where people have this opinion that they feel they need to share. What are you guys' thoughts on, like, you know, those people that say this is how you have to hike and any other way is wrong and they just have this fixation with it being that way? Mm. I find them mildly annoying but also just slightly amusing. And I also appreciate their great passion for hiking. I think that's what it usually comes down to. Um, often I take what they say with a grain of salt. Sometimes I, I don't argue with them, but I present a counter argument on the Facebook group, say if they're like an absolute mad, keen, ultralight hiker, but they don't, they don't say, oh, yeah, this costs two grand just to get out on the trail. You know, mm. you might you might just say, "Oh, yeah, that's a really good idea if you if you can afford it." But if you can't afford it, you'll probably still have a good time if you buy a marmot tent instead of a um, Z-Pack duplex. Yeah, <laughs> but that that said, and 
Screw you, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a duplex. Oh, it's oh, amazing. Oh, You're all wrong. Um, no, but like, I think there's a big difference between you know badgering one person about their choices of gear and you know putting your you know your decisions up as as an advice post on a page not targeted at any person in particular. I don't think you need to put a hundred asterisks after every oh, thing. No, by the not. way, if you can't afford this, get this, or if you prefer this, blah blah blah. However, um, there are definitely some people who are very, very adamant that this is what you need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. But I put, you know, in my gear post, I put that I think tranges are kind of not really suitable for hiking. And I don't hundred um, percent agree. With a lot that, of people I disagree, think... but that's fine. I'm <laughs> no, not I, I agree with you for has... a solo hiker, but for like, say, a group oh, of if you're a, a teacher group of leading a school group, maybe four who really <laughs> like gourmet food and fresh food on the track, it would be good. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. I, th- um, I think it's just the whole, you know, the attitude of like, you have to do it this way. And particularly, I think if I think about my journey from a ultra heavy to ultra light, the, the thing is, it's it's like, I know a friend of mine, he was really, he wanted to buy a synthesizer and he wanted to buy the best one that could ever be bought. Right. And while, while it's nice to have the really expensive, you know, $30,000 thing, you need to start with the cheap things that you... I think if you jump to that, like your appreciation Oh, definitely. For it, yes. You know, it's, it's not there because you'll, you'll have this thing and be like, yeah, it was, it was good. I got yeah. it. Whereas if you you know you had that, you know, like I, bu- I bought that cheap instrument that was 600 bucks. It was a toy basically. And then I now have this, you know, world-class machine. It's the same thing with hiking gear. If you have, you know, like... I, I love the fact that I had a shitty stove, you know? Like, yep. Um... The fact that now that my my gear can fit into a much smaller bag and is lighter is is a joy, but if I had jumped straight to that, I don't think I would have appreciated that transition as much. I've had a very similar experience. So I'm I'm going more and more ultralight and spending more and more and more money. However, I justify it because I do so much hiking. I think if I was doing a different holiday, I'd be spending. You know, I'm I'm not a backpacker anymore. I'd be spending a fair amount on accommodation and stuff. So if I get my um, $500 tent or whatever and divide it by how many nights I spend in it. Mm. It's not mm. that expensive if you think about it that way. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I started out with mostly quite cheap gear and I really, really appreciate my um, my good gear now because I've had those experiences of freezing. Um, like I remember being at Mount Wells and uh, my we got kicked out of the hut because some people rocked up without tents and had to go out and mm. tent it. And I had the. the yeah, you should, you should, should <laughs> yeah. have known them good and made them. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had the worst sleeping mat sleep at the, in the time. Fire tower. I had yeah. a three quarter length um, Kathmandu sleeping mat that I used to be. I was okay with it, but that night I froze. And that week I went out and bought the warmest sleeping mat I could find. Although I wish I bought the slightly warmer one. I, I kind of impulse purchased mm. that. I had kind of the opposite opposite experience to Donovan, which is um, I decided before I'd even walked one kilometer that I was doing the PCT just based on seeing it on the internet. And so I immediately went out and bought all the stuff, which is typical me. I just, I'm just <laughs> like, what's all the best stuff? I don't want to screw around with like the bad stuff. Oh, I but I will point stuff. out if you're talking about budget, yeah. um, if you can do it, it's actually cheaper to do that. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Because to, if you're going to get really into hiking... You're just going to replace it anyway. You're going to replace yeah. it anyway. But anyway, so I, I, I got all the stuff and... Um, I went on my first hike, which was on the Cape to Cape, which in hindsight was really not a good hike to do as a complete novice, yeah. um, mostly because of the sand, which is horrible. But anyway, I, I, I was miserable for three days until I made it to Preveli and bailed out at the halfway point. But because I'd spent all that money on stuff, 
I was really beating myself up about it. I was like, oh, why have you done this, Ben? You've gone and spent $2,000 on gear or something that you don't, you don't even like. Why are you doing this? And so as a result, I forced myself to go out and try it again and again and again until I finally enjoyed it after a while, which is after I got orthotics, which is like six months after getting into hiking. Um, and since then, I've just absolutely loved it. But I think had I not made that investment at the start, had I bought a bunch of crap gear, I would have just thrown it in the bin and be like, eh, hiking's not my thing. It's funny, I'm the opposite to you. I, I, most of the time I research things to death and uh, with, with all my spreadsheets, but I, I look up every single review. <laughs> I take months and months to make my final decision, but I enjoy that process. That sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. But so, see, even this, we're talking here about, like, you know, the, the journey of the hiker, even the journey of the hiker from the, from the start to the beginning. You know, you, you can hike your own hike of that journey from crappy gear to good gear or start with good gear yeah. and... And just fall in love with it. And then it. be handcuffed to hiking for the rest of your life. Yeah. <laughs> $2,000 and all your gear. So, so maybe that's, you know, depends Let on your... Let me out! <laughs> depends on your personality. If you're someone who um, maybe might have given up, then that's probably a good thing. And if you're someone who, you know, may, maybe wouldn't appreciate things, then maybe it's better that you start with crappy gear. But I guess the real question is, you know, if you're a new hiker listening to this, what do you buy? Do you go and buy all the expensive gear or do you just... You know, buy, Realistically, buy a whole bunch of Katmandu well, stuff. Well, it depends if you have the money or not. Because, like, sure, you can say, oh, the best thing to do is buy the Z-Pax duplex. But the reality is, <laughs> well, is a, lot, a lot of Which people just... Yeah, but a lot of people can't do that, even if they wanted to. But that's okay. Like, you can still, even if you are on a budget, you can still really enjoy hiking. Um, yeah, just uh, you could get get secondhand stuff for one thing. I reckon you could still put together a good pack with stuff from AliExpress. You can you definitely mm. for a reasonable price. In fact, with the the hiking club, we often get complete beginners. We've taken people out hiking, and they've carried tents from Big W, and they've been fine. Albeit we had good weather, but mm, and it was ten k's in, ten k's out, and then no, no, the no. This um, the one I'm thinking of was a, a longer hike. It was one oh, of the okay. first overnight hikes I organised. And I don't organise them that long anymore because some people struggled. Ah, okay. But, I stand corrected. Mm, yes. Yeah, I have to say I've used a Kmart tent once. It was like 29 bucks, and it literally tried to kill me. The oh. ventilation <laughs> was terrible. <laughs> and I took the poles off and it was still rigid in its shape because there was, all the air was still stuck in it. I was like, oh, oh my God. Another few hours in there, I might not have made it. So maybe, yeah, Katmandu, not Kmart, is probably the best way yeah. to go if you're a new hiker. Well, I'd mm. recommend... Um, Around about the two to three hundred dollar mark for a tent, and even a sleeping bag, like around two fifty dollars. If you're just starting out, like you I can think, get okay think, gear for around that. Yeah, and otherwise, go secondhand. If I'd started hiking with my goal to just be to do the Bibbulmun, I would have spent a lot, spent a lot less. Mm. Um, but my goal was always to do the Pacific Crest yeah. Trail. But if I'd um, done what you you did and just bought the top of the range stuff, I would have spent a lot less because I'm buying it all now instead. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> But, you know, you've learned a lot about yourself in the I process. Have. And I've also, yeah. and, and when I look back on how I used to hike, I just laugh. It's hilarious. I used to not have a sleeping mat to begin with. Um, when I used to hike in, like, over in Sydney and when I first moved back to Perth, I used to do sections of the Cape to Cape. And I just thought, oh, I don't need a sleeping mat. Um, I'm sleeping on the sand. It's comfortable. And it was. I was reasonably comfortable. I didn't have a stove for a ridiculously long time. Like, this is after I've been hiking for a long time. And I think it's partly because I did so much solo hiking and did trails. I didn't really do the Bibbulmun much to start with, so I didn't meet many other people. But, yeah, I was content with 
more or less content with what I had. I'd, I, yeah. I'd, I, f- I feel like the experience of getting into solo multi-day hiking is going to be painful no matter what you do. Oh, definitely. Initially, yeah. like, yes. it's always, my first hike, I remember distinctly, I was doing the Cape to Cape because for some reason I was fixated on doing a complete trail. And I didn't want to do just a so five... So many people do that. Yeah, I didn't want to just do a five-day section of the Bibbulmun, which would have been way better because there's no sand, at yeah. least in the bits near Perth. Uh, but anyway, I wanted to do the, the Cape to Cape. And I remember on day one, after like nine Ks, I was trying to find a lunch spot and nothing was appearing. So I just stopped in the middle of a four-wheel drive track, sat down, and basically had to pull my entire backpack apart to try and find where I'd pack my lunch you know, stuff like that. Like, mm. it's just, mm. you can listen to as many of these podcasts and read as many blogs as you want, but until you go out there with either with your really expensive gear or with your crap gear or whatever in the middle, you're just going to have to figure it out yourself and and uh, and work out what works for you. And eventually, you'll get really good and really efficient at it, mm. you know, regardless of your budget. Uh, and then you'll become, you know, someone like us who's giving unsolicited advice to <laughs> <laughs> everyone else. But you'll be having fun doing it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, you say that, but like, because hiking with Aaron, we did dwelling up to Collie recently, and just watching him, I wasn't giving him advice or doing anything, but I was just, he was bouncing ideas off me. And by the end, he had this list of things that he would do better or gear he wouldn't take or what he wanted to upgrade. And I think, yeah, you need to go through that process and do it Mm -hmm. yourself. You really do. And it's very personal. Like, yeah. Yeah. uh, You know, a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable, for example, Wearing the same underwear every day. I'm not. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's one thing I don't. That's one thing I don't compromise on. I have a, a pair of undies for every day yeah. and every night. Yep, and no matter how true. ultra light I get, I'll always do you that. You just got to work out those things. Like, <laughs> what, what are you prepared to compromise on, and what are you not? Yeah. However, I think the the more hiking you do, the more you're prepared to compromise on. Um, no, I've gotten so so grotty as I've gotten more hiking experience, Perfect. like using Perfect. sand to wash my <laughs> pots. And, and I don't carry – I used to always carry lots of spare clothes. I don't anymore because I don't think there's point, um, especially if there's rivers along the way. I'll go for a swim um, at every opportunity and, yeah. Mm. So we've talked a lot about, I guess, what we're doing now. So can I just ask as a roundtable sort of question for everyone? I think what's really interesting to me about Hike Your Own Hike is that, you know, I think because Mark and I often talk about trails and, you know, it is well known that I despise burnt jarrah. <laughs> M- Mark. Did you know I always think of you every time I walk through burnt jarrah forest? Oh, Thank you. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that that's what I'm for. start tagging you in photos of burnt jar. <laughs> yeah. But see, see Mark, Mark doesn't share that, that view. And, and so it's really interesting to me because I think it, it is the mindset that we have when we go out there as to what we get out of it that, that will, you know, the things that you, that you don't tolerate or that you do tolerate yeah. or that you love or you don't love are the things that you're driven by because of how you hike your own hike and why you hike your own hike. So I'm just really interested to know, um, and this is to everyone, sort of the the hows and the whys. So like why, you know, how, how do you hike your own hike these days? And why is that the case that that's what you, you do? I guess I always want the spirit of adventure. That's the, the big driver behind any hike that I choose to do. Like I just finished uh, the Bibbleman a couple of weeks ago, which was fantastic. 
but I spent the last couple of months doing all the bits which I had been avoiding doing because I knew they were really boring. Mm. Um, oh, so do you agree that there's boring There bits? are boring bits of the people. Yes. Well, <laughs> to be <laughs> fair, it's a thousand kilometres. Yeah, exactly. It's which a thousand kilometres. <laughs> and that's part of the experience. Like, it heightens the interesting bits would, but would for you having say, to walk through the boring bits. But would you say that some of those burnt jarra sections would be... <laughs> No comment. I say <laughs> that the, the full length of the Bibbulmun is, as the guidebook says, experiencing the spirit of the Southwest. Exactly. And part of that yeah, is yeah. The, the sad history of the Southwest yeah. as all the Jarrah forests have and been. That's, that's just part of life is, you know, you go through highs and lows. You go through periods of boredom and periods of elation. And, it, and it's, even it's, in all, bed, it's all a rich tapestry. And but, also, you can still find um, really interesting mushrooms and wildflowers in the burnt Jarrah, and you can also see really bright green hmm. leaves against the dark that's tree trunks a lot, a lot more. That's what I love. Yeah, I like that. I'm, I, um, I love seeing non-burnt Jarrah forest. In fact, I, I think of you when I see non-burnt Jarrah <laughs> as well. <laughs> Take a photo. Send this to me. Yeah, please enjoy please this. send it to me. It will warm my heart like, to see non-burnt Jarrah. But to return to my point, like I, I, I want to go somewhere where I feel like I'm experiencing something. So the first hike that I did after finishing the Bibbulmun was just this weekend with, with Bonnie and some friends was doing a section from Southampton Bridge, which is near Bailing Up, through to Donnelly River Village, which is kind of part carry forest. Uh, following the Donnelly River and sort of other tributaries which flow through there. And it's it's a really pristine section, which... And ordinarily, I wouldn't drive that far for a regular weekend, but I just... I knew it was a fantastic section from when I did it on an eight-day hike mm. last year. And that's the kind of thing I'm starting to revisit now that I've finished the Bibbleman and I can do whatever section I like. And that's what I want. I like to feel... I want it to feel remote. I don't want, for example, the la- one of the last bits I did was around Ducanelli, which is a section of the trail that's shared with a four-wheel drive trails. And it didn't feel remote. Like, when you're walking mm. along the track and suddenly a friggin' Toyota Land Cruiser just blasts past you, you're like, well, I'm not really mm. in the wilderness, am I? Yeah. You know, if I'm on a friggin' road. Mm. Um, but that bit in the whole carry forest, sort of from around about Southampton Bridge all the way through to probably a bit past Northcliffe. Yeah, it's I agree. just just stunning. Just those beautiful tall trees. And I'm glad we got all to see them. All the way to Mandalay Beach and beyond. Yeah, well, inter- intermittently after Northcliffe because you go yeah. through the Pinger Up Plains and yeah, it's, it's kind of plain carry, plain plain. Anyway, but just seeing those magnificent trees, particularly we had kind of bad weather in... Oh, it was beautiful inverted, weather. Inverted, yeah. Beautiful carry forest weather. Good hiking no, weather. No, no, no. It was good hiking weather, but it was, you know, we got rained on quite a bit, but that I mm. think that is the way that that forest is supposed to be seen. Yes. Not that there's really any plan for how it's supposed to be seen, but just just seeing the leaves, uh, you know, dripping with moisture and seeing everything flowing and coming across all these ephemeral streams that are only there for a couple of months of the year mm. uh, and, you know, splashing your way down the track, which has basically just become... A river. An ephemeral stream. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, I just love that. I love that sense of, uh, you know, going somewhere where it's a bit difficult to get to mm. um, and where you get to experience something that you can't do any other way. Oh, and that's something um, well, we, we were both saying when we were south of Northcliffe. The, you, you don't the like the Pinger Up Plains. We, wool, bales. wool bales, Mount Chance. Like, we would never, ever have gone there if we were just on a yeah. road trip. 
Yeah, and it's so different. 99% of Western Australians will never go there. No, and it's so different to anywhere else in the southwest. Those Pingarup Plains and those beautiful granite domes. Mm. And I think one of the most beautiful views I've ever seen in my life, and I've this is including um, New Zealand and Japan and everywhere I've been, is that view from Woolbales out over Broke Inlet. It was like it was magical. That was magical. I remember describing it because you'd see the sun. We couldn't actually yeah. see the sun yet, but we could see the sky start to change its tint. We went up at sunset in the middle of the night to see the yeah, stars and about, sunrise. Oh, yeah, I'm talking about sunrise here. And you could see the sky touch, start to change to like a pinkish hue, and it really reminded me of an 80s album cover. <laughs> you, know, you know that pinkish yeah, hue that was really mean. common in the 80s with the gradient? Yeah. And it just looked yeah. like that. And then to see... Uh, the the morning mist that had descended over the plains that you could see beneath you, mm. that's just spectacular. And that's why that's why I do multi day hiking is to go to those places that you can't get to any other way. And yeah, it me Require too. a bit of an effort to get there, mm. which makes you appreciate what you see there all the better. And if yeah. they ever built a four wheel drive track to that place, it'd be ruined. That would yeah. completely yeah. ruin it. Can I can I ask you eyes. a question about your? So that's sort of the whys, but how? Because earlier you were mentioning about how you now walk more. Care- how far do you walk these days if you're by yourself and it's up to you how far you walk? Well, on the bib, you're a bit limited because you can either do one section or two sections in a day. So it's mm-hmm. like, do you want to do 15Ks or 35Ks? <laughs> There's nothing in between. But um, I think I'm comfortable. 25Ks is like a comfortable day for me where I don't mm. feel like absolutely shattered at the end of it, but I feel satisfied. I have done days up to 35Ks. Um but I'm looking forward to the PCT next year when you have a lot more freedom because they don't have any campsites or mm. any toilets or any shelters or anything. So you, you're a lot more free in terms of how many miles you work, walk per day. Mm. But Unless I've heard you see that a bear and then you, can't see <laughs> yeah. you, then you turn around moving. and you walk a lot more miles. <laughs> yeah. But um, how far do you think you'll walk? What's your sort of idea for? Well, yeah. what I've heard from other people is that a lot of people start off quite slow, which I'm going to do because I I don't want to overdo it really early, which is a classic mistake. Um, a lot of people start off doing like 15Ks a day, something really conservative like that. But then by the time they get to Washington State in like the last quarter of the trail, they're doing 35 miles a day. Um, it's about 50Ks. Is what is 50Ks a yeah. day. is apparently pretty common along through hikers who've made it that far. And granted, they've already walked more than 2,000 miles, mm. so they're pretty fit by that point. But 35 miles a day, mm. that's insane. Is that just, just the amount of time that it? would take. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they must just be sick of it. No. But um, look, I'll be, I'll be really pleased if I ever get anywhere near that. But at the moment, a comfortable 25Ks is a good day for me. Yeah. I like doing that. I'm, it's like a good solid day. I'm tired at the end of it in a good way. Mm. Uh, my muscles feel like they've done some work, and but it's not so much that I can't get up the next morning. Yeah. And so the sort of hikes that you are looking for, I guess, are these long hikes? Is that, would that be fair to say? Yeah. Well, this is back to why I originally got into hiking, is I wanted to go on a big, long adventure that wasn't going to bankrupt me. Um, and now that I've got the gear and spent all that money, I feel like that's the case. And I'm, although, I'm, you know, I'm still saving like mad to make sure that doesn't happen. But I just, I love the idea of just one foot in front of the other for five months and just, it's a beautifully simple lifestyle hiking a long distance trail, whether it's the Bibbleman or uh, any of the big three in the US or any of the countless trails around the world. You know, just getting up every morning, packing up all your stuff, putting it on your back. And just walking all day and just experiencing everything around you until you get to camp and then, you know, making merriment with all the people around you and and doing it all again the next day. I just Mm. There's nothing more romantic than that. 
in my eyes. It's I just... think we have the makings of a new pack animal. I think I like pack animal. I might do some different trails after about the yeah. 16th time of doing yeah. the boom. Like, oh, what else is out there? <laughs> and that's actually a no good offense, point. Pack animal. Is, You're um, kind of like you've, you've just completed your sectional end to end and you mentioned before how you enjoyed going back to a section. Is that something you guys enjoy is the, the repeatability of a trail? I like that. Yes, definitely. I, I like that about the Bibbulmun. And also at different times of year, it's completely yeah. different as well. And I think that one of the good things about the Bibbulmun as opposed to um, other trails is all the flowers and the fungi and all that sort of stuff. Like, I know people often think that Australia doesn't really have seasons or the south of Australia doesn't. Oh, it totally does. Wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it's so wrong. Like if you get into, into hiking mm. and bushwalking, you just realise like how different it is at different times of Definitely. year. Maybe it doesn't, I, I love doesn't that. have European seasons. No, no. It's, it's a completely different animal. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, you know, talking about repeating sections, I, know, I understand that you're in the middle of a sectional end turn yourself yes, at the moment. Three quarters of the way. Oh, so exciting. Awesome. Get so, it right, Donovan. Jeez. <laughs> she has a spreadsheet. <laughs> so, you know, in terms of the hows and the whys, how does this, I guess, where, where are you in terms of that with the Bibbleman? And I guess in hiking in general, because you seem to do a lot of different types of hikes. You know, yeah. I've seen a lot of off-track hikes. Yeah. Um, you've just come back from Northern Territory and you've been to over east as well. Yep. How does that, I mean, the whys and the hows and also in relation to the Bibbleman, I guess, is the... Okay, to start uh, with, I'd go back to just very practical and boring whys and hows. Or not even that boring, but just, well, you got to appreciate where you live. And I've got this... this theory that no matter where I live, I, I can really enjoy um, like the natural surroundings of it and cause just because I love nature. So when I lived in Sydney, I, I loved the Blue Mountains and the coastline and the Southern Highlands. I got really into exploring those areas. Mm. Um, New Zealand, love the mountains. Same with Tasmania. Here in WA, I, I also really love um, all the nature and everything, as you probably know, because I wrote that massive website about it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I just out of necessity, I do repeat parts of the Bibbulmun, and I, I like doing that because I like to see it at different times of year. Um, I love wildflowers. I love going back somewhere in winter, like say around Narang. You, you go there in August, and there's um, ephemeral streams and tadpoles and things. You go back in October, and there's like wattle and all different wildflowers around. Word of the day: ephemeral. 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 Mm. Yes. Look it up. <laughs> Yeah, and so yeah, a lot of the hikes that I do are just it's um what is accessible, what can I fit into a weekend? That's another big one. I work full time. I wish I didn't. Um, don't we all? Yeah. But mm -hmm. I have to fit ninety percent of my hiking into like two day hikes. And also with the hiking club I have to think about what can I organise that I, I don't know you know, I might have some people I know, some people I've never met before. I have no idea how fit they are or how unfit they are. I have no idea what they're going to pack, if they're going to read the event description or not. Mm. So that also factors in mm. um, a lot of the time. However, despite all that, I really love to explore new places and go on adventures. So then I try and do a lot of... I, I do try and do some off-track hikes and yeah, I try and go somewhere a bit different to Perth every now and then. So that, that's... I guess that's for your own personal enjoyment. Yes, sort yes. Of those things. Is that if you didn't, if you weren't organising events for other people, what would you seek? Okay, then I would seek um, 
new experiences and if I do repeat something like repeat a section of trail I would try and see it in a different from a different perspective maybe I'd hike it at night which I sometimes do or in a different season um but yeah usually I try and find a new hike or I make up I make up one I look at the map or I I often just think of a place like I see a, a distant hill and I think I wonder what that would be like or what the view from that would be and then I make a plan and set it in motion. Sometimes I'll contact some friends who I think might enjoy the adventure as well. Mm. Um, often an idea for an adventure is sparked by something very small. Like I ended up spending two and a half weeks in Nipmuluk National Park in the Northern Territory, just on the basis of a Facebook post in one of those um, hiking um, Facebook groups. I saw some beautiful photos of the Jack Buller Trail, which I'd never heard of. And so I researched that a bit more and then I booked it. Yeah, I planned a whole trip around that. And then I did another another hike in the same region, but that wasn't following a particular trail. That was one I just sort of made up using existing trails and also a bit of off track. I managed to convince some friends from Brisbane to fly over and join me for that second hike. We went canoeing. So it all started from that one Facebook post. Maybe I should go back and comment on it and say thanks for the inspiration to whoever posts it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Here's my GoFundMe page. <laughs> <laughs> Mark, I saw you looking over at me when Bonnie was talking about appreciating oh. the place that you were yeah. in. So we've had this discussion this week about Don chasing the dragon because he's now gone to off-track hiking quite a lot now. Awesome. Is that a gambling reference? That's a heroin reference. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Not that Don is a drug user. Similar in yeah. uh, both editions, yeah. I guess. Um, mainly because I can, I get this sense that WA is no longer good enough for you. And I don't mean like that, <laughs> like in a bad way. It doesn't way, have but, to be one or the other. Yeah, like you can still have yeah. the sense of adventure and want to experience new places and things while at the same time appreciating home. Yeah. No, let this play out. I want That's, to see the fight. Oh, sorry. Fight, fight. No, um, I was having this discussion with a guy I was hiking with recently and he'd been to America and to New Zealand and everything and he's just like, now you've been up to the Pilbara, do you think the southwest will be enough for you? And I was like, yes, yes, it would because you find the devil in the detail or yes. it's in a different season or you see yep. it from a different point. I sense that this isn't the case for you, Don. You're getting a bit restless with marked trails and you're trying to find something out of the ordinary. I mean, first of all, I guess for a... I guess as a comparison, you're, what are you looking for in a trail mark? Because I guess that, 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 that you, you've be, just been to the Pilbara. You've seen some amazing, like, you know, world-class scenery up there. Yeah. And But you're, you're still okay with Burnt Jarrah. Yeah. In fact, you like Burnt Jarrah. I've just been editing so many photos of Burnt Jarrah. <laughs> so, I, I mean, but what you're looking for in a hike is, is I guess, different to, to me in that sense. Like, yeah, I mean, we both kind of do the same thing. We have our websites, we're going, and we're finding new trails and new experiences. But for me, like, the romanticism of it is greater because I, I have a spreadsheet and I plan, and this is what I'm going to do this year, and mm. these are the times I can do it. And I think about that for quite a while. Like, yeah. Pemberton to Northcliffe next week is gonna like I've been thinking about that for quite a while and I can picture myself doing that even though I've never been there um, and it's just kind of enjoying what I'm doing rather than I want to seek out the best mountain or the best forests yeah. or whatever it's just mm -hmm. enjoying the time that I have out there I guess I, you have a more of a Buddhist 
sort of like being present in the moment. Yeah, if you want to call it that way. It's not, yeah. it's not a criticism. My, no, my no. mum, my mum is Buddhist, so you know, like it's. I understand the 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 appeal of of that sort of. Yeah, I love that mindset as well. But I think in some ways it's out of necessity, and it's. Um, I think no matter where you are in life, or no matter where what you're doing, you can find something interesting in mm. that. And you, yeah, like say the Bibbulmun track, you can delve into the details of it, like a bit more rather than always seeking something new. Although mm. if you can seek something new, if you've got the time. Yeah. What sure. I found that's new about the Bibbulmun for me is just an understanding of where I come from. I mean, I was born in Western Australia. I was raised here. I'm, I'm a wet, you know, a proud West Australian. And, you know, up until I started hiking on the Bib, I was one of those people who felt like WA was kind of a backwater and, you know, I would eventually move on to bigger and better things, but it's it's really given me an appreciation for the place that I'm lucky enough to live. Mm. And I just, when I'm out there, I feel like it's it's home, even places that I've never seen before. Yeah, I like that feeling I feel like of home I'm, as I'm well. I'm learning more about my home. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, something that it has that's unique that other more spectacular trails don't is how ancient it is. And yes. that's perhaps why it's not as traditionally spectacular as other trails, because the mountains have long eroded over millions of years. Yeah, that's and we an don't excellent any, point. We don't have any soaring peaks or stuff from new land that's been created. Um, but you could argue but, that the Pilbara ha- is ancient, but it's been eroded in a true. beautiful way. That's true. You know, whereas but we've been eroded to a flat way <laughs> in the <laughs> southwest. And look, I, I'm not. I, I, I think you know to, just what you're saying about sort of WA is not enough for me. It's probably not 100% true. I think that one of the things that I'm looking for, we, we were talking about this last week. Mountains? Is that, well, Rocks. no, I think, I think part of it is that, you know, from where I started, I probably was much more of a, oh, we are so lucky to have the Southwest, you know, was probably would have been where I'm from. And, and I still feel that about the coastline. I think, you know, I lived briefly for three months in, in Queensland and, you know, they, they're always talking about their beaches and they're wrong. Ha! You know, <laughs> our, our beaches are way better. Yeah. You know, they're, they're wrong. But then their forests, you know, my tolerance for Jarrah really dropped off after going to Queensland and going to Tasmania. I was just like... We are starved of of excellence here because of how and and I don't feel that way about the carry forest. Like I still think carry forest is world class. You know, they I love amazing. the carry forest, but I, I probably when I started didn't have such a negative view about Jarrah. In fact, I was probably even pro prescribed burning many years ago, and that's probably changed. And and I you know I said to Mark that part of what I hike for is the aesthetic quality. So. I, I would rather do a trail that's only four days long and is spectacular from start to finish than a long one that has, you know, the Bibbleman, I think, and, and also doing the Bibbleman changed me because doing, you know, walking Marin Road and that being a whole day, <laughs> I was just like, no, like, this is not great. You know, this is, this is unacceptable and this is not world class. Um, but it's a thousand kilometers. You can't have. I, I there know, are some I, crappy days. I, yeah. I get that, but the overland track is only what is it? Uh, yeah, I can't remember now. But, Eighty but kilometers. Is, but is, is there 60? a crappy day on the overland? No, there's not a yeah, crappy day. No, but the Bibbulmun the Bibbulmun track has at least eight non-crappy days. Or at least six non-crappy <laughs> oh, days. Of course, of course it does. But you see, That's like very conservative. But there are, you know, 
the thing is, I guess... No, I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I've changed... I used to be all about the kilometres, you know, like, you know, we've talked about about that, you know, like I've, I went from being, oh, it must be really long, you know, I used to walk 50Ks just for fun, you know, let's, let's just walk 50Ks. And now I, I think about it and, you know, going to Karajini and doing, uh, you know, like we know in Hancock Gorge, together they're only 3.5Ks or something. You it's know? still like, a thing you combine but them. But the, <laughs> sometimes the kilometres in terms of challengingness is meaningless. Like once you're up in the mountains or somewhere like that, it doesn't even mean anything. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I said to Mark, and, I, and I, it only came to me recently when I, fin- I finished the Bibbleman, when I went up north and when I went over, over east, was that I realised that I'm a bit, like, it's become like I'm a junkie, you know, like... Chasing that it, track. It, <laughs> become it, a trail snob. It, it used to be, yeah, you know, like it used to be good enough to just go and do a walk in the Oh, hills. it's still good enough. But but yeah, I'll I say just this. I just understood the chasing the dragon thing. So. <laughs> the thing is, this weekend I did a walk GPS walk, and it was in Monad Knox, which I've done so many times. Which one? I did the three the three mountains. Oh, one. okay, yeah. And but Mount, Mount Randall is a trail. And, it's yeah, not that, that's, really not a, that's not really off track, but it's beautiful. Yeah, but the thing is, okay, I'll, I'll say this: I don't even really like off track walking. Oh, but. Love off track walking. I, I I don't okay. I like it, but I don't like when there's a lot of bush bashing or when you're like I love walking that. through. I I don't love it, but I will do as much bush bashing as required to have excellent scenery because on that walk, um, have you have you done the three mountains, Bonnie? Oh yes, yeah. I, that's one of my favorite on track walks. It's it's fantastic. <laughs> so, you know, like that that's that first that first bit to Mount Randall has like. Um, you know, some terribly overgrown sections that are not really, you know, you have oh, to like, push I, I through. I enjoy that. But the thing I'll say is that how many trails in w- in Perth have that good scenery along it? You know, like in terms of all those granite outcrops that he, you know, the way that Dave planned that walk, it's like he'll take you to this bit, to this bit, to this bit. And, and he thinks about it as what people would want to see. Yeah. And to me, the most boring part of the whole walk was when we were between Monat Knox and then before we got to the mountains. Yeah. You know, that bit is, is the dullest part of the whole walk. And yet the bit that was off track was there. And, and it, it made me realise that it's not that Perth isn't enough for me, is that our trails just aren't designed with enough of the intensity of beauty that I'm looking for. And that there is that out there, but... Unfortunately, because of the got to go of, off track. Exactly, there's no trail supply, so you have to go off track. However, that I, that makes me happy. I like the fact that it's off track and it's a bit of an adventure, and that not everyone necessarily goes there. I'd be sad if they all turned into trails. Yeah, yeah. I think same it, with like the Stirling Ridge Walk. I'd be I'd be so sad if that became like a um, pedestrian right bitumized track or something, or even just a dirt track. Yeah. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I guess, you know, I, I look at what Queensland has in terms of, like, the Akuma and Worry circuits, and I just see why not, why yeah. don't we have that? And, no, and I, I do agree with you. Could part um, of the reason be that they don't have dieback? They do. Well, they, they have their own problems up there. They have other root rot issues. Also, in some ways, okay. having trails might be better for diebacks. If you, that's something I'm conscious of with off-track walking is always scrub down the boots very thoroughly yeah. before going off track. Uh, it's ec- it's extra important. Yeah, yeah, and that's you know the thing is part of what I like about 
a trail, and I guess it's it's part of having a blog, is the repeatability of a trail. Is that yeah. you can say, I recommend you do this thing, and your experience, except for obviously seasonal changes and the variations in weather, that that repeatability will be there. Yeah, I, I like that too. However, I also love off tracks, off track walks, and there's some fantastic ones on Walk GPS. Yeah, and in some ways, are they even like it's off track, but you're following a route that someone has planned. Yeah, and that's, so it's kind of a, a bit of both. In yeah, a way. I guess I mean it's it's that sort of you know his trails are his tracks or routes are partly on track, partly off track, yeah. and some of them are like eighty percent, some of them are five percent. And I guess one of the things that's good about it is because he has GPS in there, it is a repeatable thing. Yes. So, you know, to me, I, I, I just really dislike the parrot bush and having to walk straight through oh, yeah. that stuff. As much as I love um, off-track walking, it is. <laughs> you're not a fan of walking through parrot bush. No. But, yeah, to answer your question, Mark, I, I'm, I'm not, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not like gone, WA isn't enough for me, but I feel other states make it easier for you to get to those moments. Yeah. And, you know, this walk and then and the William Bay circuit, which I recently, you know, defined i see that there's such fantastic scenery i agree with you there that that could definitely be and i've always thought that even when i was a little kid i I always dreamed of um, walking that coastline Mm. and then i did my own william bay circuit as well in april uh, different to yours yeah but it was um i think equally fantastic maybe maybe after i come back from the pct i'll be like you and i'll be like that ain't a mountain (laughs) (laughs) but i think that that's where i'm at now is very much like i want to advocate for these things and i want to see Yes, I'm a scenery junkie, but I think that that can be, you know, that the addiction can be for good. <laughs> but I, I think with the whole off-track and on-track thing, I think the scenery is better when it's off-track. It is. And as soon as you put a track in there, like it would still be really special and amazing, but it would just make it a little bit less scenic in my mind. There's less chance of bumping into someone wearing Lorna Jane with their phone out like, Taking selfies. Oh, I, su- I sometimes her. wear wear Lorna Jane leggings and take selfies. You'll see me coming down the track and like run run away. <laughs> <laughs> but and and also, I mean, the the big thing when I I thought about Monadnox is I think could have a trail here, but as soon as you do, you're going to get a dirt bike dr- riding oh, the trail, and that yeah. is blooming dirt bikes. Yeah, it's the. It's the catch twenty two. It's the you know the, the you yes. can't have nice things because people will ruin it. Mm. Yes, and that's unfortunate. Yes, it is unfortunate because there is kind of we're talking going back to the repeatability thing. There's a lot of trails in Perth that I have walked once and I would never walk again. Like mm. Statham's Quarry, I see no Channel Ten Tower. <laughs> I haven't walked that one yet. And I don't really have. Yeah, a I still desire. haven't walked that one. <laughs> like Lions Lookout, that, that kind of stuff. Like it's nice, but it's not going to draw me back. Yeah. But then there are other ones, like say the Numbat Trail or. Even um, the, the Three Mountains Loop, that's one I do a couple of times a year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and the Numbat Trail as well. And what else is that? Echidna Trail. I love that one too. Kitty's Gorge. Yes. Yeah, I do Kitty's Gorge quite a lot. Yeah. yeah. Like we're not short of good to nice trails and hopefully in the future there'll be more and they'll learn from the off-track experiences where these are the areas people want to go to Yeah. rather mm. than here's a view of the Perth Coastal Plain with an airport and industrial area that people seem to go nuts for. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it's because it's short. 
But I mean, you, you can you can just walk up to which one's the closest one to Sullivan. I never remember Vincent. Vincent. Or Vincent. Vincent. You can do that very easily as a yes. short walk, you know, yeah. and, and that and that will be a great day out. It'll be a great day out. But I think the views get better over each mountain. So oh, the they views do. from Mount Cuthbert are. Are stunning. Oh, also yeah. good if you go at night as well. Amazing night sky up there too. <sighs> and then that, yeah. um, Mount Randall is just magical. Mm. And then mm. there's also other hills around, like Eagle Hill's good. That's another Walks GPS one. Mm-hmm. No, I quite like that area. And it's good that there are kind of, there's only the Billman there. Because I would really love to walk just east, northeast from Mondanox and mm. just take your pack with your tent and everything and just say, I'm just going to walk to here. And then walk back because I think there's like you look out from Mount Cuthbert especially there's this endless forest that you could explore. Yeah, that's true. Mm. And so many like little rolling hills and yeah, it's just like it's a catch twenty two of like do you want more people out there than there no. has to be trails, <laughs> <laughs> or do you just want to like get to that point as a hiker where you are comfortable doing that and only you can experience that. There's maybe one for Don to do. Toys <laughs> and game in Perth. I, I guess my thing is that. You know, if you look at what they have in, in Queensland, and granted, their multi-day trails are not as good. You know, like you're not going to have something like the Bibbulmun and the facilities, you know, the Bibbulmun are, you know, vastly better than any... There don't any free trail in the world that has better facilities than that. I think that's something really special about the Bibbulmun is the, the mm. Bibbulmun lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. That's a really good point, I think. Like, I can't think of one that is free yeah. that is better. No, it's amazing, and we I mean, shouldn't the, take it for granted. It's, the ones yeah, on the you know, New Zealand has some better huts, but you got to pay to use them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, same with, you know, same with Tassie. The Appalachian know. Trail huts oh, actually, are no. famously awful. Tasmania, um, I, when I did the Frenchman's Cap track, I think this is changing. but They are going to charge soon. <laughs> oh, okay. So that, that was free, and that was one of the best hikes I've ever done in my whole life. It was sublime. And we stayed in very well-appointed huts for free it was not the renovated one the renovated one was being renovated so we couldn't stay there yeah but um, i know and i've i've only done the overland track and frenchman's cap in tasmania but i have researched it and it does seem there are other huts you can stay in for free like scott kilvert hut and yeah um ones like that i think the bib huts are the right balance of providing comfortable shelter without being oh yes i I agree with that agree yeah yeah i think for our climate for I our guess, climate. Yeah, yeah. If uh, Understandably, New yes. Zealand ones are a bit more luxurious because they have snow and things yeah. like that. Blizzards. Yeah. I guess the thing would be that I feel, and it's the thing that's been said a lot, is that the Bibbleman could have loops off it. That, yes. That, that, that would do things yeah. with, you know, like, you know, like the William Bay Circuit was an idea that started with, let's use the Bibbleman and what exists there and then link up other things. And a lot of the, a lot of the walks that are on Walk GPS do the same thing. Where yep. They use a bit of, of trail that exists. And I think... You know, it is expensive to build new trails, granted, but you can do things with what what's already there. And I think what I would like to see, you know, having when I was in Queensland was that there, there were 17, 18K walks that are a circuit. So it's a whole day walk. And I think about it and, you know, we were talking about this when we when we talked about Southeast Queensland. It's like Eagle View is like the only circuit walk and Numbat yeah. are the only ones. And even that, Eagle View, it's like half of it's rubbish pretty much. It's not <laughs> yeah. rubbish but like it's uh, yeah. not as good as it's the it's rest. mostly yeah burnt jarrah wandu <laughs> no. yeah burnt wandu yeah yeah. But yeah i mean again we've discussed this as well it's down to money and population and yeah. we may never ever get those trails in the near future but 
In the meantime, we can go off track. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, you know, for me, that's in order to get that, which I'm looking for in my hiking, that's that's what I have to do. I'm finding that as well. But unlike you, I quite enjoy the um, the prickly, scratchy um, bush bashing. Yeah. Is this why you don't like the Pingara Plains? Because you've got to forward through all that. Oh, it wasn't that bad, Ben. Uh, I think... Uh, no, I mean, I, I, I learned to deal with it, but I know you I, really don't like Parabush. I'll, I'll save that I think you for... didn't like the roads. <laughs> I'll, I'll save... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like the roads either. Yeah. Although we had to carry two days' worth of water on the roads. Yes. Given the Not amount me. of... Uh, the, the, the length of my tirade against that section... Uh, I think I'll save that for when we talk about that section yeah, on the pod. We're going to get grumpy, Don, again. <laughs> I read your blog shortly before we did it, and it set my expectations really low, so that might have been part of the reason why I really enjoyed it. <laughs> oh, yeah. there we go. I, I'm, I'm, I'm basically helping everyone by... Yeah, Although yeah. I agreed with you... for um, you. <laughs> I agreed with you about Marin Road. It was a bit, a bit long. Unacceptable. I know I'm definitely loading up with It's acceptable for a, a 1,000-kilometre trail. I would, I would deem it acceptable. But if you look, off, look at the map, there's actually things to see off the track. Yes. It's unacceptable to me <laughs> that this trail just doesn't take you to those places and just goes, bang, you will love a long road. But anyway. I would, no, we, I, we, I agree <laughs> with you, but the, um, the practicalities might... Not work out. So we've established that Don hates Marin Road. <laughs> yeah. And he would never hike his own hike on that road ever again. <laughs> and, but yeah, and this is the thing. This is, you know, this is a philosophical thing. Is it about camping or is it about walking? Because Both. I think... Yes, yeah, see, this is interesting. <laughs> Northcliffe to Walpole, I think it has the best camp... You know, like those campsites, some of those would be like Lake Maringup would have to be top 10, you yeah. know? Some of the other campsites on there as well would be contenders like Mount Clare, Mount Chance, are amazing campsites. But the walking, the walking is just not interesting in some of those However, sections. I will point out, it's not just the campsite itself, but it's where you can explore from the campsite. That is so, true, yeah. Like, say, going up those granite hills, that's some, maybe some short walks like Mount Clare and Wool Bales, and mm. they are absolutely yeah, stunning. And Mount Pingara. Yeah, Mount, Mount Chance, I meant to say, instead of Clare. Mm. Um, but then when we were walk, we were in a hurry down to Mandalay Beach because I was getting picked up and Ben was doing a double. Mm. Well, mm. sort of. I was a, trying to do a double. That do didn't double. really work out. But um, I was thinking, I want to come back here and I wanted to explore off track on like through the Wool Bales Hills. Mm. And so it's that kind of thing. I've also done a hike. I invited a bunch of friends. I tried to make it a young Perth hikers one, but it ended up just friends, mm. um, where we stayed at Long Point, where I'd been before. And then we went and explored Big Long Point, because Long Point Hut is at Little Long Point. Yeah. And it's such an amazing area to explore. Mm. And same with the, I don't know how to pronounce it, Nuits or Noits or Nuts. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. The, the Nuits Wilderness, <laughs> <laughs> where I have I've been a few times, that is really, really beautiful, but you've got to go off track there, like up to mm. Mount Hopkins. and Maybe you know. I'm a mindless drone, but I actually appreciate those long, boring sections. Oh, but that section... Every now and then... No, I'm not talking about that. that. Section, I'm talking, if, you, if you do that I'm talking section, about things like Marin Road. 
Um, like just oh yeah, I, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Just sections where you can just put in the earphones and just tune out for a while. Like I quite enjoy it. It's or a ghetto nice, blast the carry forest. Or ghetto blast the carry. No, don't that. do that. Oh yeah, <laughs> we did that once. But I just uh, like it, it's a nice break. I honestly think if you just have you know amazing view to amazing view, then it, it kind of devalues it. You need the you need the relatively boring sections to make the beautiful bits worth it. You need the trudge. No, I, I want more beautiful sections. Yes. No, so I can actually, I, that I agree with. <laughs> no, I agree with Donovan here. In the in the perfect world, it would be beautiful the whole way along. However, the way I see the Bibbulmun track is it's um, it's a thousand kilometers, and it's not. The fact is, it's not going through wilderness. Mm. It's going through um, a lot of it is quite degraded, Jarrah forest. Uh, that's just a fact, but mm. that's also that. That's my home. That's the southwest. I wish it wasn't like that, but you've got to enjoy it for what it is. Mm. And there's still so much to appreciate, even about the burnt Jarrah forest, like the regenerating bright green leaves growing up the trunks, and the silhouette of the Jarrah trees. If you um, sleep under the stars without your tent and you look up at them, I find that's quite a lovely thing to look at on a full moon night. And all the wildflowers. Looking forward to wildflower season coming up again yeah. soon. I'm starting to see the um, the hovia. Starting yeah. to see all the hovia come out. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's and that's maybe a good question to to kind of ask is camping or hiking. What is it? You know, for me, it's definitely I'd say, you know, like ninety percent hiking yeah. and ten percent camping. But you have a different opinion. Oh yes that. and no. It really depends. Um, I would say, I. Camping without hiking is a little bit lacklustre for me, mm. but hiking without camping is fine. Um, although I prefer overnight hiking to day hiking if I had the choice. But it depends on the hike. Like going back to when I was in the Northern Territory, say so the Jat Buller Trail, the each day's hike was really short. Um, but you get to a campsite around midday, and those like the the location of the campsites was just absolutely stunning like um, huge waterfalls and gorges and massive cliffs. And I, I just knew that, say, if like a, a four-wheel drive track went up to them, they'd be world-renowned tourist attractions. They'd be like Jim Jim Falls or Mitchell Falls or something. But the only way you can get there is hiking mm. or maybe a helicopter. But like the first night on the Jack Buller Trail, I'm sitting in this, um, you know, like a, at the top of a waterfall in my own private infinity spa, like with the waterfall on my back and then the like the waterfall going over the edge watching the sunset over Arnhem Land I just thought people would pay thousands of dollars for this experience and I've just gotten here by walking mm. all, mm. all my own efforts and that's why it's so special oh it's so special so I, I I this is this is where I become a hiking snob like you Donovan um <laughs> is that I said this to Bonnie earlier in the year I think anywhere you can drive is not really remote I think yeah. so too and yeah. I agree with Ben there and that's something I love about hiking that was something special about the overland track mm. is you you can't access it by road and same with mm. New Zealand but I remember the fourth no fifth day of the overland track a helicopter flew over and my hiking buddies and I we were like oh this is so weird we haven't heard anything mm. mechanical for for mm. days it sounded bizarre yeah and just and, and all you hear is those those cockatoos. It's interesting. The cockatoos sound similar to our cockatoos, but a bit different. Yeah. I thought they sounded like they were singing the Kill Bill song. A bit, <laughs> a bit creepy. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, that one. Yeah. 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 
I, yeah, and that's something I, I agree with you. Like, you know, when you get up onto like you know any any of the mountains there, and you don't see roads, and that oh, I is love that, fantastic, I really love that. And obviously, I agree with you about the Bibbulmun. Sure, it would be better if it. Well, maybe in a perfect world if it was like that, but the world that we live in in Perth, that's that's not what it is, and we've got to appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. I quite and like going on top of Mount Chance, except for when there's lots of rubbish in the morning and yes. seeing seeing the mist over the landscape that you just walked the previous the seas day and rivers of mist and seeing a yeah. preview of what you're going to walk today. Yeah, um, and just being able to look over the horizon and be like, oh, we started yesterday, you know, over there. Well, that's a good thing about the Cape to Cape too. Like you're walking from the north and you can see. Again, I can't pronounce it. Cape Clairault, Cape Clairo. Clairo, I think. Yeah, yeah you can see <laughs> Cape Clairo in the, the distance. Clairo. Pronounce Clairo. <laughs> the hiking snob. <laughs> and then you you get to Cape Clairo, and then you can start seeing Cape Mentel, yes. and then yeah. Well, sorry, I'm going off on a tangent there, but it's a similar thing. You can see where you're where you're heading, and you can see where you've been for a yeah. really long way, and you can see Cape Lewin Lighthouse. If you're doing south to north, you can mm. look back and see how far you've gone. Or same or at the, the top of around. Mount Cuthbert when you can see Mount Dale. Oh yes, that's yeah. that's a good one too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Or when you're when you're, you're like, at, wow, that would um, be a long way to go in a car. Wait, another one I can't pronounce. Is it Wally or is it Wallick? Wallick. Wallick. Yes. Wallach. Okay. Um, usually I say Wallick and no one knows what I'm talking about. But so you're on when you're on your way up to Wallick and you can see the um, Mundaring Weir glistening like a tiny little speck on the horizon. That's yeah. another one. And that's a relatively short section mm. too. Mm. But it looks so far away. Yeah. All right, so we'll do a hike your own hike, kind of like round table, quick fire. We'll go back to ultra lightweight. Do you cut your toothbrush in half? Yes, no. Yes. No, but I might, and not so much for weight, but just for the convenience of packing. Also, I broke my long spoon on the weekend. I was very, very sad. It's now an ultralight spoon. But yeah. yes, it's now an ult an ultralight. It's literally, just a spoon with no handle. Yeah, so, so I was, I was eating like this. I need to replace mine. I split my spoon fork in half. Oh, your light, your fire. So now I have two utensils. <laughs> real, real ultralight. I split my light, my fire in half, and I bought a new one. But now yeah. all I take is the is the long spoon. But now it's a very, very, very short spoon. Yeah. My toothbrush folds away into its case, Ooh. so it's like case, it's a, it's not a, yeah, case. It's not. A, <laughs> that's not oh, oh, but I could leave the case at home. <laughs> oh, but you could brush your teeth with a green stick. I yes. could. Yep. Yeah. You know what the most ultralight way to hike is? Just don't hike. Just stay at home. You don't have to carry anything. How about you, Mark? Uh, no, I. I if it's a really long one, I've just replaced it, yes. But again, with Bonnie, it's space, not weight. Yeah, same. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Some people just take kids' toothbrushes. I take like, kids' toothpaste. Idea. Yeah, which are yeah. like a few inches shorter. And we sometimes take toothy tabs from uh, Lush. So they're like little tiny tablets, and you take enough for as much as you need. And they're much lighter than toothpaste. Oh, that's yeah. another question. Do you dehydrate your toothpaste in little dollops? Well, I haven't done it yet. I've never done that. <laughs> no, but toothy tabs is toothy a way tabs, to do it. Okay. Toothy yeah. tabs, okay. Sounds extreme. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, we'll go another one. Wine, port, alcohol, yes, no. Oh, with, on a group hike, like with friends, yep. yes, definitely. Definitely on a group overnight. On multi-days, I've been known to take whiskey because it's the most ultralight alcohol. 100% agree with you. The alcohol-to-weight yeah. ratio is fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I even have a, a little ultralight plastic flask 
which weighs like five grams or something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, yeah. you know, I think if you can go cask strength as well, and then you can, you know, you just water it down slightly, that's probably the best way to go. So really? Because you're, you're getting higher alcohol level. Yeah. Um, and you, so you carry <laughs> don't, don't more. To get you just told me something. The there you go. I'm going to try that I will that say, I'm, I'm not sure about the whole wine thing because I do so much hiking with, with friends and it's all merry and jolly and social and everything like last year i was going hiking almost every weekend and i it kind of felt like i was 18 again like just <laughs> well not quite i wouldn't say i got really drunk but, but i don't i, really I think I, I prefer falling asleep when i'm when i haven't had red wine to when i have had red wine even just a, a little bit but to answer your question i really don't worry about weight when it's just an, a one night thing with some friends oh no like, we, we bring so much food to me ultralighting is for is it's for the the you know the week plus hikes that's mm. when it really comes into its own and when it's really so handy even on a week long will you take alcohol though because i do even i would knowing full well yeah, that take... it'd be gone within a couple of days and i won't have to yeah. carry it anymore if i'm going yeah. with a friend i'll take maybe um a platy preserver yeah. full of red wine i have that too i have that too <laughs> oh, but yeah, we put great. whiskey in there yeah. but then like, oh wow that's a you know whiskey. i'm not going to be able to do that on the pct because you know it, it's just so ridiculously long yeah. but i think That'll be part of the reward of the PCT is waiting to get into the next town when you can have a beer or something. You know, that's mm-hmm. part of the enjoyment is really hanging out for that. That is that is actually yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then when you get there, it's just the best beer you've ever had. Now, I have had life? some hikes when we did the I did the Cape to Cape with three others and loaded up on the on the goon bags and things. And then the guy carrying the goon bag was like, "Here, Bonnie, I really want you to drink lots and lots of red wine." <laughs> and then so the first night, I did I did get. Um, I drank a little bit more than I otherwise would have liked uh, to, and yeah. Yeah. And how about you, Mark? Oh yeah, this is why you do the the weight saving is so you can carry all these things. <laughs> <laughs> carry chocolate and alcohol. I do it so I can it. carry my camera and my spare lens and <laughs> and my alcohol. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. So what's the the stupidest thing you've ever done to go ultra light, Don? I don't think I've actually done anything that stupid. It's just like things that I shouldn't have, you know, that I should have brought that I didn't bring, you know, like just. I, you know, it wasn't it wasn't meant to be an ultralight decision, but leaving to do a section of the Bibbleman without the guidebook for you know a couple of days wasn't a great idea. Um, it, thankfully, the trail is very well marked, but you know you shouldn't do that. You mm-hmm. should always have stuff with you. So I don't think I've ever really done that as much. I think um, I've foregone things like jumpers sometimes when I probably shouldn't have, but that would be the limit of it. I've well, I haven't actually done it yet, but I have this theory that rain covers are complete crap, and that they don't actually do anything. I've so, gone, with, I've gone without a rain cover. I forgot I my a, rain cover this weekend, I, and it bucketed down. I and haven't yet. I survived. Been brave enough to try it, but next time I go on a really rainy hike, I'm thinking of just leaving it at home. Because mm. uh, the way I see the rain cover, you're talking about for your pack. Yeah, yeah, for the yeah, pack. It will then roll off onto your back. And then soak in that way. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, what's the point? I, I it's think like they, they're like they 100 help. grams or nearly. But yeah. don't forget, if you're trying to be ultralight and it starts raining, all that water is going to soak into the fabric of your backpack. And <laughs> then I think it does that water. anyway, even if you have it. Oh, but, uh, not, not with my with my pack cover. No, it doesn't oh, okay. do that. Yeah. Like I have an iron pack, which is waterproof on the inside. And I find that it's, it's semi-waterproof on the outside anyway. So it most of the time I can get away with, like I don't bring it. Yeah, I find my new Osprey pack is, I don't think it's waterproof, but it doesn't seem to absorb the water like my old pack used to. Yeah. 
So it depends on your pack. I think you can get yeah. away with it if you have a, a pack that is waterproof. Mine's enough. not a Cuban fiber pack or anything. It's just okay. <laughs> whatever the normal. I don't know what they make normal packs out of, but it's, it does have it that um, water, that checkered looking yeah. material on it to make yeah. it look like Cuban fiber, yeah, even if it's, it's not. not. It's not. All right. Um, another ultralight one. Badges and paraphernalia off your pack. Yes or no? Oh, yes. I like. You know, I consider myself an ultralighter, but there are certain things that I won't give up. One is my Green Bay Packers patch on my bag because I'm just a massive... For those who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's American football team, which is amazing and which you should be a fan of. Um, and also I have a, a boxing kangaroo patch. Because <laughs> I was considering... I was, you know, again, I set up my whole year to do the PCT and I originally was going to buy a, a Australian flag patch, but then I was like, I don't think Americans will know what the Australian flag looks like. They'll think I'm British or something. <laughs> so yeah. I got a boxing kangaroo patch. I'm like, nobody's going to confuse what that means. Yeah, yeah. Or a um, Foster's patch. And yeah, yeah, or that. No, that's just perpetuating a myth. Um, but then, I'm, you know, I'm eagerly awaiting my bib track end-to-ender patch, which is... Uh, you know, going to turn up in the mail soon, and mm. I think I'll put that on there somewhere. I need to as send well. away for mine. I haven't done that yet. Yeah. Oh, you should. The September. I know because I've got pride of place in my pack. I've got I've got the Overland Track patch, and I've got the and I will get the Bibbleman one, and they're yeah. going to go side by yeah. side. I want to do that too. I bought the Overland Track one, but I haven't put it put it on yet. Yeah, and that's because I haven't done it because I wanted to balance it off with something else. Yeah, but when I do, I will. <laughs> there are certain things I just don't care about the weight of. You know, like I'll happily do it, even though it's completely it? useless. Yeah, it's nothing, but it's also completely useless. So its usefulness to weight ratio is terrible. But <laughs> but you know, it's part of my identity of hiking, and um, I have a really popular pack in America. It's the ULA circuit, which apparently like you know half the people in the PCT carry. So. It could be handy when I come out of a shop or whatever and there's three ULA circuits lined up there. And yeah. Actually, that will be very handy. I, f- I find that with the um, group hikes we do, well, no, more with our friends than with the, the club, but we've all got the same stuff. And I remember in 2016, we were all Cedar Summit fans. We had Cedar Summit everything. And then a bunch of us have all gone ultralight and stuff, so we've got a bit more dis- diversified. Tokes. But we. No, but we cop- copy each other. Like I copied my friends. They got um, I bought the same quilt as them. Although you can change, you can choose your colours with the quilt. So I've got pink, purple, and orange, and they've got like red and black. So they're a bit different. I'm disappointed. I mixed, missed out on the Texas flag uh, revelation quilt that they were making after that hurricane <laughs> thing because that looked amazing. But I already had a sleeping bag by then. So. Don't know if you're serious or joking. No, no, no. They really did after the um, after the big hurricane that hit Houston. They did like a charity one where they were selling quilts and all the proceeds were going to charity. Um, and they were doing ones with the Texas flag pattern with the Lone Star and everything. Oh, mm-hmm. and it was that- the same price, but all the money went to charity. I'm like, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, I know that you're a pro patch person. Yeah. What patches what, what do patches, you have? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, right now in my overnight pack, I have a Hufflepuff patch. Um, <laughs> That's really funny. Just so everyone knows that I'm a bit dumb and basic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have a Life of Pi patch with like 200 of those that no one wants. Um, oh, can I have one? Yeah. We should have brought some tonight. Next time I see you, you can have one. Awesome. I'm giving them away. Yeah. <laughs> That's how valuable they are. Uh, but yeah, I've got a whole load that I've bought that I haven't put on yet. And there's a really good um, patch shop in the Frio Markets that sells a whole heap. I know that one. Yeah, she's just changed. She's got actually a stall now instead of just a table in the middle of nowhere that clogs everything up. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is the patch or no of... patch? Is it kind of like um, people who have tattoos or not? Not really? 
I guess so. I, yeah. I mean, uh, but some ultra light light people are like, "Oh, this will ruin your bag," and you know, it probably does ruin some of the waterproofness of your pack. But you know, it's it's cool. Like I think it's it's you know, it's some, same with some people who have tattoos. It's a reminder of who they are and their yeah. identity. And I think. Yeah. And it's a collection too. It's exactly. like some, in some ways when you have like your spreadsheet of hikes you want to do, it's like doing a collection of hikes. But well, no, for me I, it I is. agree with you. I wish I wish that every hike, I wish every to, multi-day had yeah. its own patch. I wish the Cape. Like, I actually looked up the Cape to Cape track to see if they have one. It's hideous. Yeah. Oh, really? It, they have one, but it's it. not very nice looking. Oh. Hey, Donovan. Since we're both sending away for our end-to-end stuff, mm. do you want to both go in and get like bib track tats? <laughs> I was thinking of getting one on my calf. We didn't I'm totally why. serious, by the way. Um, no. <laughs> it can be unique because there's the, the left and the right woggle. Oh, yeah, true. Oh, yeah. We, can yeah. have, we can each have one. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd have to really think about it. Cause, I wonder um, if anyone has a bib they do. woggle tattoo. They do. I will soon. Give me yeah. a month. <laughs> I'm going to get it on my calf because it did all the work. <laughs> that that does make sense. That it, does yeah. make sense. Um, I'd have to think about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll Once you live, see mine, you, you'll be like, oh, then I'll be, I'll be jealous. And, yeah. Do you have trail names, or is it just the life of Pi and the long ways better? Those are both quite long. I I have. You sign your own name, don't you? I have two that I've never actually used, but people call me. <laughs> so. Um, I I started calling myself as a joke was this character that I came up with named Adventure Don, which <laughs> was like a Steve Irwin style sort of archetype. And because I when when I am out hiking, I wear sort of like khaki greys yeah. that, that makes me look like I'm a ranger. <laughs> um, and That's I, actually a good. One. It's also like some sort of dinosaur as well. What adventure dog? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see it. And then is this guy like a Russell Coit character? <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's like, oh, that's a good trail know, name. When, when adventures on, call adventure dog. <laughs> <laughs> that's your new motto. <laughs> and then um, our friend Didier started calling me Guru. I, oh, I can't yeah. remember why, but he did. I, that suits you too. Yeah, adventure yeah. dog guru. So, Does Elisa have a trail name? She came up with one once, but she's never used it beyond that one time. She came up with Flame Pea because her pack is the same color. Her day pack is the same color as a Flame Pea. Cool. Um, but she's never used it beyond that. And we always sign the long ways better when we're in the the, the books because we're, I guess, always hiking. Bit of together. marketing. And, and yes, a yeah. bit of marketing. Why not? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yourselves? The the uh, I don't have a trial name. The dumbest one I've ever heard was uh, in a book, a guy whose trial name was Jerry Garcia, and it was because... Um, no, sorry, it was Jerry Springer, because he really liked Jerry Garcia and because the Appalachian Trail starts at Springer Mountain. Oh, That's a really long way of trying to explain it. I know. <laughs> I feel like it was just, he'd, you know, all the good trail names were taken. He was like, yeah. oh, I don't know. And I, I, feel like, I like Jerry Garcia. Yeah, a trail <laughs> name has to be given to you. I feel like if you make one up, it's yeah. a no, little less special. One. Yeah. That's why I've always sort of stuff, and I was just like, you know what, I'll just go to the There's no point. you got to yeah. think up trial names for other people. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Bonnie? Um, well, I always just sign the books as plain, old, boring, old Bonnie. But it's it's not really because not many people are called Bonnie, so it kind of makes sense. It's not like I'm Jessica. Yeah. Mm. Did you um, know that WA treasurer Ben Wyatt is a keen bib hiker, but he just signs in as Ben? Ooh. Ooh. And you 
was a hiker. And yeah. I, I knew he was a put, hiker. I needed to yeah. put more pressure on him to yeah. Yeah. We, we really stop chopping a, everything down. We really want to accost him and be like, he yeah. just sit him down. Give us more like, funding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of making my trail name Brussels Sprout. I think, did you invent that? Uh, yeah, because you say it all the time. I say far out Brussels sprout all the time. And I've only just recently realised I'm actually swearing because I don't swear very much. And I always go, far out Brussels sprout. And then at some point I was like, oh, I'm just saying the F word, but as a, like it's a euphemism. The, the intention yeah. is, is the everything. Intention. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so shut, I realised that. So really I just, <laughs> I swear all the time. But I also really like um, Brussels sprouts. So I, I always carry them hiking because they're very, very, they're ultralight, the ultralight vegetable. Um, they're very nutrient dense. You don't like them. I like them. I love them. Um, no. Can oh. you like carry watercress or something? They're very nutrient. Oh, that, no, no, that that would be delicious, but that would decay, whereas and de- deteriorate in like mm. a day. Whereas Brussels sprouts, they last you a good two weeks in cold weather, or or five days in hot weather, as I discovered in the Northern <laughs> Territory. Um, no, they're fantastic. You can chop them up really finely and make a coleslaw style salad, or you can mix them in with your dehydes as the army people call dehydrated oh, meals. Oh, I see. Mm. Yep. And, or you can just yeah, put them in anything. They're good. Eat them raw like a capsicum. <laughs> <laughs> no, although I, I have been known to eat capsicums raw on hikes too. Mm. On that nice callback to the start of this, it's probably a good point to end <laughs> yeah. our conversation. <laughs> yeah, thanks guys for coming in. It's, yeah, nice to have different perspectives and finally catch up and meet because, you know, we kind of, not dance around each other. We know know each other quite well through yeah. the internet and Facebook and blogs and everything. So and commenting on things on Bibble Bit Track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when idiots want to drive to Mount Cook. <laughs> oh. But I've, I've never seen you um, on the track, Don. I've seen you, Mark. I've seen you from afar, like the majestic creature loping over the um, <laughs> motor knocks uh, in the distance. No, we ran into each other. Because like, I knew you guys were doing an overnight hike. I saw they'll be finished way We did. We before. ran when you did the yoga or Pilates, yeah, Pilates hike. One, we saw you then. And we just kind of met. Yeah. And it and was just that like yeah. weird, uh, like Seinfeld, bizarro <laughs> world thing. <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, oh, yeah. hey. hey and Louise was there too. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, it was nice to get you guys yeah. in. Oh, thank, thank you for having us. It was Thanks. Fun. It was actually really fun. It was good. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll be back in two weeks. Thank you.